Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Andrew and Andrew on Texas Criminal Defense. My name is Andrew Harith. And mine's Andrew Decker. Mr. Decker, how are you, sir? Well, it's been a long couple of weeks, but I'm good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we just fin- we, we were just talking. We just finished up tax time. For a lot of our solo practitioners, it's a very stressful time of the year. Lordy, Lord. And, you know, we have... We have a we live a pretty good life, you know. I mean, as far as like and being the able tax to, man thinks we live a exactly, real good life, exactly. And, and 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 this time of year, you know, a lot of us are really kind of, uh, <laughs> um, I don't know, questioning what we're doing here. Anyways, um, and not esoterically. I mean, like truly, like why are we here? Why? What is going on here? So, but you know, we just we just got out of a, a bar association meeting. Listened to another great attorney talk about right. helping people us. right uh, much better than us but a former guest on the show and uh um, and a friend of personal friend of yours yes yes yeah. very good friend yeah. of mine and we're talking about paul wingo anyways and um uh, he's a very good attorney but you know it's just hearing other attorneys not necessarily like give war stories but just their experience and being honest and truthful about just how exhausting this job is and the toll that it can take and helping others and getting good results really is kind of inspiring don't you think the way you made it sound no <laughs> i mean but, but, but yes it, 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 yeah it, it kind it, of lights a fire like yeah man you know it does take a lot of work but you know the effort is worth it yes yes the, sometimes hearing those stories well reminds me i'm not alone i'm not the yeah. only one who thinks this is hard work yeah two it lets me know that sometimes there are good outcomes at the end. Right. Um, and just because you hit a little bit of a blockade, because in his talk, he hit several where it would have been easy to just kind of take the, well, yeah, that, that, that'd probably make this family pretty happy. And I don't have to work as much. And, you know, and I'll still get, I'll still get, I'll still get a good, good paycheck out of it. Right. 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 Um, but he he truly didn't stop. In fact, he really pushed and pushed uh, and got well, incredible, incredible results on on a, on a civil case, right? Yeah. Um. But but still, yes. It, but still, you know, it does remind me of a lot of our of our cases where it is a struggle, you mm-hmm. know. And sometimes we're fighting our clients just as much as we're fighting, you know, the the state, right? Um. But uh, but yes, he he did. He he had a lot of struggles in this particular anecdote that he told us. Um, it worked out really well. It kind of reminds me just of like, you know, all of those movies about civil cases like um, Aaron Brockovich and um, oh, man, there was one with John Travolta. Uh-huh. And that other one, the civil case <laughs> and then that other one. And the, but anyways, like they it's all about like there's time and time again where in any of those movies. They could have just settled and walked away, you know, instead of like fighting for what's right. Yeah. And that just kind of seemed what what happened here. He was just on fire to fight for something right. And that also happens even in criminal defense. And that we do. We deal with that a lot. Right. And and you and I talked about at lunch uh, during the CLE or following it. It's amazing how sometimes people will fight tooth and nail for a few hundred dollars. Yeah. But. When you tell them, well, look, you know, they're offering you two years in the pen and it's the lowest they can go. And they're like, okay, I guess I'll sign it. And it's, yeah, th- there's no fight in it at all. Yep. Um, yeah. I've always been amazed because I've 
I've done civil work. You've done some civil work. Very little, but yes. Right. And, um, and people will fight like hell for what's in their wallet, but they will not. They will just kind of lay down considering like a decade or two decades in prison. Right. And liberty think, is not is not as important. Well, part of it is sometimes the other end of that liberty question is, well, could be seven or eight or ten. Right. Or twenty or five to ninety nine yeah. or um but all of it starts all of these cases begin with a phone call or an email or someone coming in the office. Right. Nice you know, segue. Thank you. <laughs> We're getting good at this. Yeah. Yeah. And that so that yeah, so as as Andrew's kind of uh you know, getting to we're we're not. It's not really going to be a legal substantive episode, right? Um, really, just what do you? How would you put it? Just a like a like things like best practices to do when somebody yeah, or calls you. Some of the realities that happen yeah. uh, when you when you meet with with a client. Paul talked about during his talk that uh, his his family that he dealt with. They were in the middle of a crisis when they, when he got the first phone call and that the emotions were just so thick. This week I had a guy come in. Um, uh, he's accused of a crime, uh, of assault, and he is just a completely an emotional basket case because I, I think there might be a claim against the other party of criminal trespass and self-defense on our guy's part so he's just he, he's a, he's a basket case yeah so several times the first thing i had to say was slow down and breathe and let me catch up to you mm-hmm. right um because he can't tell the story without just either just blurting it out in in one breath or without breaking down um you know we forget that lots of times all we're doing is going breathe. Yeah. All right. Um, so, but that, but it started, it truly started with an email. Hey, I got your name. When can we meet? So, so really when we get these initial, you know, leads or however you want to put it, um, somebody needing help, you know, first step obviously is getting them on the phone or getting them in your office and once they've signed on and and you know whatever you know paid your money or whatever, um, you know well let me ask you, Mister Decker, when when somebody's you've come to an agreement with somebody, you're going to represent them. Um, what's that? You know, past that initial consultation where you're just learning about the case. What's your next step? Like after they become a client, like what's the first thing you do? Well. <laughs> depending on where it is and what it is, you end up having to wait for a case to be filed to actually enter a letter of rep. Right. Right. Depending yes. on if it's a simple arrest for, well, currently, you know, I have several of these, a THC pin. Okay. Right. It's going to take well, a while. It, it's going to take a while. And in some of the smaller counties, you can't, in, until it gets indicted, it's hard to even know where it is. Right. Yeah, that's exactly um, right. Uh and so you're you get hired and you truly are just kind of sitting. Yeah, and, and I mean there's some like things you can do beforehand, but you're right. It just kind of spinning your wheels a little bit if you even try to contact a prosecutor. They don't know what you're talking about. Right. Yeah. If if it hasn't been turned into the DA or the county attorney, depending on, you know, like depending on what it is and where they how they decide to prosecute it, where they are, um, they may truly go, We haven't seen it yet. We don't know. Yeah. Yeah, like they can go, Well, we saw that they went through the jail. 
Okay. Okay. Yeah, they've been arrested. Yeah. All right. Uh, great. So, so, so you, you have know as much info as me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, and you can go, you can go get the arrest affidavit. But if it's your your guy says, well, I was uh, driving, I was speeding a little bit, and they, you know, saw my vape pen and asked, you know, could they take a look at? It? And I said, sure. And it said, you know. Yeah, I mean that's the that's the gist of it. H a p p i day, right? And I don't know that that's just one of the brands I've seen, right? I have no idea if that one is in the case, this case or not, right? So happy day, and the and the officer goes, well, this looks like THC. It's a brown, thick meniscus liquid, and uh, this is a known CBD oil product. And suddenly you're going to jail. I don't need to see an arrest affidavit. The, the guy yeah. just told me, right? Yeah, and I and yeah, I mean, I I generally can understand i mean especially in the jurisdictions that we practice in those officers are when they do their field weight which is all they really need on the pro on the pc affidavit they're weighing everything that that liquid came in right like right. so if it's in the if it's in the vape pen they're weighing the pen with the cartridge right they're in the packaging it weighs seven pounds you're like, yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so you're you're having to bond out or your clients having to bond out on a third degree or second degree felony and comes back from the lab and all of a sudden magically it's a state jail right, right. you know happens all the time um you know that that is uh you know obviously so I, sometimes there's not even a follow-up it's a i've talked to them i have enough story to know it's really going to be if they decide to file it or not we're going to have to sit here for a few months yeah and i think during this time i try to take care of like some of the collateral issues on those cases like you know i'll i'll, I'll just try to help them out generally um depending on where they are in their life i may you know if it's like a young kid never been in in trouble before i may start asking them like what do you want to do with your life you know, just try to point them in the right direction. Uh, if they have license issues, I try to take care of that. That's going to make their life easier. Um, and I just try, I personally try to reassure them, like when this anxiety that you are feeling, you are hiring an attorney to take that off your shoulders. And I hope that I can do that. So let me know what exactly is causing that anxiety and maybe I can help. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, so lots of times on like a minor in possession of alcohol or minor in consumption, right? Yeah. Really a traffic ticket level offense. I'll have a parent call me on that. You and I don't like doing traffic tickets. We no. don't basically, unless yeah. it's a, some other reason uh, or a drug paraphernalia case. And you'll get this mom. Who's just, I don't know what do about yeah. and you're like, breathe, right? This is like a traffic ticket level offense. And I'll say, you're going to pay me, you're going to pay me, and I don't charge a ton, but you're going to pay me more than this is worth. Yeah, than Be the worst case scenario. Right. Yeah. Because I will go in and I have no emotional connection to the case. Right? So, and I'll say, you're talking to me as the mom, almost in tears, or dad just almost hyperventilating that his baby girl is been charged with alcohol and possession. <laughs> yeah. You know, and you want, and for, and I say, look, part of the reason you hire me is that I can go in and I'm not emotionally connected. And I can say, I can tell you do these three things and send you on your way and you save, you save the money. You can hire me. I'll go do, I'll have you do these three things. I'll go, but I'm not emotionally connected to it. I can have just some, I'm moving paper. Yeah. I'm going and talking to a prosecutor. I probably know um, versus somebody who you see as scary, intimidating. Um, 
and they might be scary and intimidating generally but again relieving some of that anxiety saying breathe let me take some of that fear away from you um uh telling a guy the other day that that i just mentioned I'm 97% sure, worst case scenario, you're not going to go to jail yeah. on a simple assault when you're in your 50s. Yeah. Not a simple assault, a, a class A assault. Right, right. Right. You're going to get a probation if you're found guilty at trial. Yeah, yeah. I, in that, that's, I'm the same way. I, I just actually got off the phone with somebody who, who needs some help, doesn't really, you know, has no history, and, just, and they're terrified about prison. And I have to tell them, well, you know, this is a class A misdemeanor. There is no prison, um, first off. So you don't, you can stop worrying about that. And you have no history. I mean, I can't promise you that, you know, that, that you're not going to see the inside of a jail. So it's, it's in the range of punishment. It is a possibility. However, you know, I don't think it is probable. And I'm certainly going to do everything I can to prevent that. Right. So, you know, more practically speaking, you know, I, we were talking about this earlier too. Like I got hired on a felony DWI, it's a DWI third. And I typically, you know, it's in my contract, you have to abide by all court orders, which means bond conditions. Mm, um, well. And I and I go over that with them. I, I try to provide, like, in a situation like that, whether the state can prove a third or not, I'm trying to make sure my clients never find them themselves in this position. So if I can get them on the you know, hey, for the for the time being, stop drinking. We need to show a prosecutor is not going to be an issue. And if in the future we get the discovery and th they can win, or there's no legal reason why all their evidence can't go in, you know, we need to be putting ourselves in the with a uh, showing ourselves in the best possible light. And and I do that for a reason. One, it, it makes my job a lot easier, right? Um, two, it's it helps my client in the long run. Like anything that helps a criminal case is typically going to help them in their personal lives. And I, for whatever yeah, it's reason, gonna, it's not going to hurt their personal life. Right. And and ultimately it's up to them if they want to listen to me or not, for whatever reason, you know, I, I have, I have represented clients that make my job much harder, like getting arrested after you facing a third degree felony DWI or possession of a controlled substance, then, you know, continuing to drink or use a substance and picking up more charges while you're on bond. And, or testing dirty for or testing using. Dirty. Yeah. And this is the intersect. We've had a number of podcast guests talk about the effect of addiction and mental health and the criminal justice system. And really, you know, in dealing with that, I mean, I, when that happens, I can recognize, okay, this person has a serious problem that needs to be addressed um and in so doing it also helps our our case in negotiation but um you know it's just it can be really frustrating so do you have that like do you have that conversation kind of like i do where you're like hey let's go over your bond conditions you know this you know, let's go over some things like tell me about your life you know what i mean like how do you sure i mean it's one of the things i think you have to ask you know tell me about well, can you stay clean? Anytime I start talking about somebody who has a drug or alcohol charge and we're looking at probation, I ask them. I said, look, I can't answer this question for you. It sounds simple. You got to be clean starting Tuesday. 
But when was the last time you went more than 72 hours without using drugs or alcohol? Yeah. Right. And I've had guys in, you know, 28 years old say, I haven't gone that long since I was 13 when I started smoking pot. Exactly. Right. Okay. Well, then either we need to go to rehab or we need to think of something else. Right. Because he's not going to suddenly be clean tomorrow. And speaking of rehab, you've you've actually been really successful. I know like in a particularly challenging county, you had a really serious case that ended up, I can't remember if it was reduced or got dismissed simply because you had a client in the pretrial phase check themselves into inpatient rehab, mm-hmm. successfully complete whatever they had to do there at that program and, and showed sustained sobriety. Correct. Tell us about that. Cause I know I'm I am I am on the fence. I have been on the fence in the past about sending a client to a lockdown facility for rehabilitation during pretrial. Cause I'm worried like, okay, is this judge going to revoke their bond because they're not showing up to court because they're in inpatient rehab or, you know what I mean? And I, so the few times yeah. that I've actually sent them away and knew that they were going to end up missing a court date. Um, and I've sent several, I've, you know, not, not outpatient, intensive outpatient, send them to rehab. Yeah. Um, I've done it several times. Uh, now let's back up a little bit. You're going to, you were talking about somebody who's got some privilege to be able to do this. Yes. yes. They can take off of work if they need to, they have insurance that'll cover it or they, or somebody can pay for it out of pocket. Right. So this is not an answer that's always available, but when it's been available and we've sent someone uh, I've sent someone to rehab and said, this is the only chance you have. I have been amazed when a judge, you know, there's a court date and I, I email the coordinator and say, Hey, they're in rehab. This is where they are. Here's a letter saying that they're in rehab, uh, as of, you know, they started here and they're in, you know, and this is a few days prior to the court date. We're asking for them to be excused. I've had a few judges say the first Monday after they're released, I want to see them in this courtroom. Yeah. I've had a few say, I need to see them. I had one of them say within 48 hours of release. Right. Or second business day, something like, but I mean, it was like, basically they got out of, out of rehab down near Kerrville. Next day came here. The next morning we were in, in a courtroom before docket, because it was a civil day, because it was a general jurisdiction court. And I said, Judge, I just want you to see that so and so is here. And they said, Your next court date, and, and they, you know, had to bring the criminal coordinator in because that's not who was in the room. Your next court date's going to be in 30 days. Just want you to know. And I said, and I looked at him, I said, 25 days from now, you're taking another UA. They were clean, they were clean, they were clean. Three three DWIs in ninety days didn't go to jail. Wow, yeah, but he did all the work. She same thing with another one that was a female. They did all the work. Yeah, and you kind of you have to have a client who's willing to make that life change. And and for a lot of people, being popped for a felony DWI is sufficient, right, to make that life change. Right. Um, for others, it's not. Unfortunately, sure, we know guys. That have five and six sure. DWIs. Yeah. But I but I like that. It's it's um, you know when they were arrested and maybe released from jail, I I don't know if people like truly think when they're hiring an attorney, they're hiring almost like a 
a life coach. A life coach? Yeah. You know, like like this this process can make you overall a better person if you abide by the advice that you're paying for. Right. Or or that you're you're appointed on. I yeah, sure. I right, had right. A former Marine. It has taken me months to convince that veterans court's the right option. Right? Yeah. But I looked at him in my office and I said, if you don't do this, you're going to be a dead man in 10 years. Yeah. Well, yeah. Regardless of the, if the state can prove their case, just your physical health uh, will you deteriorate. You are not healthy. Yeah. So, so, um, you know, we, I'm still, I'm not going to mention this attorney by name because we're still hoping he comes on the, on the show at some point to discuss this, but this attorney has like a checklist, right? To give all of his clients. Like, I want you to be doing That's why I want him on the show. This, this, this. I do too. Um, and he, I, he's I willing. We just need to do and no, I want this. We checklist. haven't had the time yet. We haven't had the time. We need to, it's a scheduling issue, but but this will happen. And I am so intrigued by that because it's just such an easy idea. I give all my clients um a folder, right? To just keep all their court paperwork in. Um, you know, most of our clients, if they're young, they don't do paper so they'll come in with like everything's crumpled up in their in their pocket in their pocket so i i give them that but how much easier would it be just to like staple that on the inside of the folder with a checklist of like my attorney needs me to do this this and this by this day you know all that kind of and i it's so simple the genius is in its simplicity right yes. just something you can have your office staff print out and have them mark off what you, you know, like it doesn't add any extra work to you. It can really help in negotiation with the state. Sure. Sure. All, lots of this is how to negotiate, but then, uh, so how often, right. Do you have the new client come in and they're trying to claim innocence I mean, yeah. Right. And, and sometimes you kind of go with what you've told me, let, let's run with that. And, yeah. You know, but sometimes even at the consultation, you, you're doing everything you can not to go. That's, that's bullshit. <laughs> I, I have to repeat the legal definition of possession a lot. Um, I talk about it. I talk about it in the terms of salt and pepper. Explain that. Okay. So have have I not talked about this? I'm you? sure you have, but I don't know if we've done it on the show. Okay, all right. So and, I, and I'm not I'm blanking right now on this particular. Okay. So what I say is, you know, people go, well, I man, it wasn't mine. Well, you know, I what, and I'll say, okay, so let's just back up. Let's make it that we're sitting in your kitchen or my kitchen. Which one do you want to do? We'll do my kitchen. Yeah. You and I are sitting at my kitchen table. Right. You you've been in my house. You know yes. where they, that right? And there's a salt and pepper on the table. Right. We're both yeah. eating. We're both eating a steak because if you were at my house, that's probably what we'd be having. Damn right. Exactly. <laughs> um, and uh, the cops walk in. Who's in possession of the salt and pepper, Mister Harris? I know the answer to this. Right. The answer is both of us. Right. I would be like, "Hey, man, you, it's his house. Sure, I'm here eating dinner." Uh, but but right. I mean, but yeah, that's on... my argument. Right. So, I, I I will default to like what a lot of my clients default to. Like it wasn't mine. It wasn't mine. Right. And so I'll say, well, because we could both reach it, we're both sitting at the table. It could be either one of ours. Right. And it could be both of ours at the same time. Right. That's the part where exactly. they kind of go, 
<laughs> yeah, blows their mind. Yeah. Right. You know, it, and so sometimes I'll be like, well, you know, go to the Dairy Queen, right? The salt and pepper's there. Whose it is it? You know, it's obviously belongs to Dairy Queen, but we're in possession of it because we're using it. If the salt and pepper is a little closer to you than to me, might more more likely be in your possession than my possession. If it's in my house, I'm always in possession of it. Right. But you cannot be also. Yeah. Right. And so sometimes, you know, those things, I feel like I'm always giving the salt and pepper. And someday I'll talk. I've, well, you know. I have. I, I But back to the the original, like, you know, hey, in a an individual claiming innocence. I mean, I, you know, think about it, like in the context of assault cases where they're like, it was a fight. Like I did not assault them any more than they assaulted me. Right. And you have a kind of a mutual combat mm -hmm. issue. Um, I was hired on a case. Um, not that that matters, but I, I was retained on a case where, you know, it was an Andy assault. gets hired on few enough cases. He actually has to mention that every time. I'm just so successful. <laughs> um, where they, I think there's initial aggressor issues. Meaning, I think my client has very well has a self defense claim, right? Um, the when she was arrested, the officers did not take any measure to look at any kind of surveillance video. When it's obvious there were surveillance cameras, we got a hold of that surveillance video, and I think then looking at comparing the surveillance video to like the the statements of the witnesses, the so called victim or complainant. I think she's invite. I think she's committing a couple different crimes there, filing a false police report. Um, I think she's actually um, could be charged with assault simply because the surveillance video. So she's making a statement to the officers that say one thing, and then in the surveillance video, it is very obviously something else. And my client's charged with like pretty serious charges, you know. Yeah. And she comes in, she's like, "I did not do this." Um, and, you know, of course, like we're cynical defense attorneys. We're like, okay, I under, we're going to make sure we, we get your side of the story out there. But, you know, in the back of my head, I'm like, all right, lady, sure. I saw that surveillance video and it like broke my heart that she's having to go through this situation. Yeah. Um, and it, and, and I, and then I, you know, I felt like a jerk cause I didn't initially like say like how, I mean, it, it's pretty outrageous actually. Um, <clears throat> But uh, but yeah, I mean, we we have those clients claiming innocence. It still doesn't change how I like what I ask my clients to do. Right in that situation, it's an assault case. I still want her to take an anger management class or a sure. dispute resolutions class, mm -hmm. and not and because like I don't think we're ever going to plead guilty at all. Um, we're never going to do anything it, like deferred adjudication, pretrial diversion. No, thanks. We'll go to but trial. You might need to learn that technique of take 10 seconds and walk away. Exactly. I think everybody could use like, that's, that's one of the things like, regardless of your circumstance, it doesn't hurt anybody and it can only help us. So, okay. So it's not often I talk about church, uh, it Sunday morning in church during the children's sermon, one of the kids they were talking about. What made what makes you angry? And the the uh, the 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 pastor was talking to the kids, and he says, "Well, was it the banana I ate that made me say ugly things?" Or you know, this he goes, "Maybe it was the spicy jalapeno uh, jelly." He goes, "You know, because I made my it was so hot in my tummy," and everybody kind of laughed. But then this one kid goes, raises his hand, and the pastor says, "Yes." And this little kid goes, 
if you want to say something mean, run away. Huh. Amen, brother, from the mouth of babes, right? From the mouth of babes, that's Anger true. Anger management dispute resolution. At some point, what, being, do you want to get your way or do you want to be right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, you know, swallowing the pride a little bit, right? right? Walk, um, walk away. Just be like, this is not, this argument's not worth it. Which, you know, to be clear, my client did try to do. She was she was stopped from doing so. <laughs> okay, so, so, uh, them. so yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a it's it is a crazy case. Um, but let's wrap it up because you know I know this is like not really a legally substantive episode. It's just kind of you know a primer, like get you thinking. How can you help your clients prepare for this case? How can they help you uh, by doing some things? Don't be afraid to send your clients to inpatient rehab if that's something that they need, and if they can't afford it. Tell them to start going to AA and sign into that sheet five days a week. Oh my gosh. I had a client who was like, I'll go to AA and get a sign-in sheet, but but only uh, only after you give me the template for the sign-in sheet. And I'm like, dude, go buy a notebook. And right. just have I, them I, 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 I tell them. I was AA, like, it can be any piece of paper. I don't care. It doesn't matter. Get a napkin. I, like the AA chairs, like they deal with this all the time. They know exactly what information needs to be on there. Right. Ugh. Okay. But anyways, he's going. Which is good. Any reason not to admit I have a problem. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway. So maybe this would be a great episode, Ender, uh, to to just request that you guys send us your best tips um, on how you, you know, how you handle some of these uh, clients when they come in initially into your office. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll mention them on the next show. Well, and we'll get you on the show with something that you, that you know that we yeah. don't. Even if you don't want to be on the show, send it to us. Yeah, I mean, either way. Yeah. We always love to have to have guests uh, on our show. Yeah. Speaking of a former guest, our, our former guest, Jessica Cantor, yeah. is being uh, celebrated as a TCDLA rising star oh. at Rusty Duncan this summer. I did not know they did that. Yeah. Yeah, she, I mean, she's she, more than a rising star. She's been around for a minute, you know, know like yeah. doing great things for yeah, years. That, About time, TCDLA. Right, right. She, <laughs> she's getting an award. Congrats, so. Jessica. It's well-earned. Yep. We love her. All right, Andy. For Mr. Decker, I'm Andrew Harris. And for Mr. Harris, I'm Andrew Decker. Y'all be good. <laughs> <laughs>